0: hello and welcome to the right sweat the podcast for fan fiction friend fiction and fun fiction my name is leah and today i am joined as always by my co-hosts jen and jesse hey hello so welcome to the last episode of fan fiction february we've made it no one has got any diseases they can't wash off
1: nothing that's not treatable
0: well i
2: don't know wait wait like
0: 30 i was say wait except for a case of a broken heart true that's that that's the tone that we're taking now we're not this is a sad cast <laughs>
1: i have to call it the writing tears
0: <laughs> yeah no it was all along it wasn't sweat it was just the tears of our
1: the tears emotions. of a clown <laughs>
0: The Tears of Three Clowns.
1: Tears of Three Clowns.
0: So for today's episode, we are going to be sharing our own fan fiction works that we challenged each other to write. And also be talking a little bit about what it took to write these. Because I think it was a little bit of a a stretch for all of us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I have... Very little little experience reading fan fiction. I have more experience, I guess, writing silly fan fiction, which I haven't done a lot of either. So it's, it was a little bit of a stretch for me, a little outside my comfort zone.
2: It was pretty fun for me. Uh, maybe a stretch, yeah, but still fun. I think the stretch
0: was that, you know, when you can only kind of pick a little piece of what you're writing. Uh-huh. You have to put yourself in a headspace to write something that you may not naturally gravitate towards.
1: It didn't feel like going home again, Jennifer.
2: I mean, I've never really written a crossover fan fiction or anything oh. about Sabrina, so yeah, it was uh, it was unique.
1: Well, yeah, not to give away what, you're, what you used to be fan fiction famous for, but it was not fantasy based, right? So it was it was more reality and. You didn't have to worry well, about Well, I wrote Harry Potter fan fiction, cats. which... Oh, okay.
2: You know, there are talking cats and Well, I guess there aren't talking cats in Harry Potter. That's something we should fix mm-hmm. with fan fiction.
1: <laughs> does, McGonag- does McGonagall not talk? McGonagall? <laughs>
2: uh, she does not talk.
1: Does <laughs> not Miss Norris talk? Not as a cat. Miss Norris, right? Don't look at me like you don't know who that is.
0: No, Miss Norris doesn't talk either.
1: She talks to Felch, right? well,
0: Felch thinks she talks to him, but...
1: That's debatable.
2: That's more a case of a depressing life issue.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Promo into that.
1: Yeah, I think my biggest issue was I started writing it and I I felt myself applying the same, I don't want to say motivation or logic, but the same mechanisms I would use to write like a normal piece. And so I I very quickly started overthinking it and then had to sort of scale back a little bit. But not because I wanted it to be like silly or bad, but I was also like, you don't, you don't need fan fiction. Inherently, the things I have read are not too description heavy because it's more character based momentum. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, it was not hard, but it was different for me to go like, Oh yeah, just say what the character thinks, say what the character is doing and let that guide you as opposed to let me paint the picture of what is happening here.
0: Well, let's, let's dig a little deeper than into yours. So you were writing an angst fiction about the HQ, the HQ, game show app Uh and all the various hosts of the HQ game show app. So do you start when you get a a task like that, do you start from the source material being HQ or do you start from the genre, which is an angst fic?
1: Usually I would probably go to the source material, try to watch it thinking about how the, the beats work about the things I wouldn't have noticed when I was just tacitly watching it before. But in this case, I knew more about the app than I did about the genre, about the angst genre. So I kind of went the other way and I looked at angst, angst pieces on um, the internet with source material I knew.
0: So where what did you find?
1: Really, I, I kind of just clicked on the angst tag on Archive of Our Own and kind of had to keep going until I found something that wasn't based on an anime I didn't know or based on BTS, truly. <laughs> and so the first one I found was like 10 pages in and it was a Stranger Things angst.
0: So how did that go? go?
1: It truly didn't help because of what it was. <laughs> it was, it was a slash fiction or something. And it was like, Steve was having sex with the, um, the older brother on the show. The one that looks like Neil Young.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And like, I'm like, well, that doesn't really help. Cause that there's nothing in the show that suggests that, you know, like there's no beats in the show of like, oh yeah, that's how Steve would fuck young Neil Young. You know? <laughs> well, but that's I,
0: kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. But That's I scanned easy. through and I kind of figured out, like, like Steve was, like, sad and everything smelled like cigarettes. And it was a lot about how, like, the smell of young Neil Young's cigarettes made him sadder. You know, like. What? So I got <laughs> a little bit from it.
0: Love it.
1: And about, like, you know, the itchiness of his beard on his neck and stuff like that. you know
0: Did he have a beard?
1: No, but it was, like, his teenage stubble.
0: Ew. Ew.
2: That's uncomfortable for me. Yeah. <laughs> as someone
0: that was, was a teenager making out with people with stubble, yeah, that's not a, a feeling you remember fondly.
1: That's a big thing, though, that I've read in, and I, I've not read a lot, but every time I've read, like, a, a gay fiction sort of thing, there's always something about that. So that might just be something that we're not on the, the wavelength for. Yeah,
2: that's totally possible.
1: But then again... Well, it's the, also
2: just kind of a trope as well, especially the cigarette smell. That's a huge trope.
1: Yeah, and so that w- I really didn't get much further than the first paragraph because it had, you know, a little bit of a inter- internal monologue. It had the cigarette smoke thing. It had the 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 five o'clock shadow, and then a little bit about like dirty denim jackets. So I'm like, I, I kind of get this now. I know Stranger Things enough to sort of go off of this. I didn't want to read one about Little Witch a- Academia because I have no. <laughs> idea how that show works
0: no you should have i
1: would have but i truly i didn't i haven't watched it so i wouldn't have no idea that it was fan fiction it could be a full transcript of an episode um and so then i went from there uh so i kind of worked opposite uh and then what i tried to do because i know with angst that the big big trademark of it is the title is a song lyric (gasps) right Uh uh-huh so i tried to work backwards i tried to go with the song lyric first and then work my way down Mm -hmm. and then i started writing it and that wasn't working so then i wrote it and went back and i changed the song lyric but it did start help me get get going
2: yeah Uh that's good do you want to share what song lyric you landed on
1: i wish i had the original one because the original one was something from a brand new song about how like words don't work the way that he wants them to or something like that and that was my original intention was Scott Rogowski, the host of the HQ app, was going to be pining for Anna Roisman, the host of the HQ Words. So then <laughs> something about like how words aren't don't work right seemed right because she did HQ Words. was about words. But that really wasn't working. And then there's always something that wasn't just fun about writing about a grown ass man <laughs> being like, why won't she notice me? <laughs> which I know that's the whole point of these things, but it just like I just couldn't I couldn't do it in a fun way. Not that like same sex relationships are like funnier, but kind of like I don't know how to say that. You know,
0: no, you have to be having fun with it. So even yeah, if- I think
1: there's a there's a there's a level of that could be there's a level of reality to the other one. Maybe not that Scott couldn't be into another guy, but the way I wrote it, there's no kernel of it that could be true.
0: Okay, is which is more fun for you? Yes, anyway. that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to read us a little tasty taste of?
1: I want to read the whole thing. Oh yeah, go for it. (laughs) If that's okay with you guys. Totally. So the title is from a Flyleaf song. (laughs) I went to Flyleaf first and then found it. Okay, so it's called With What's Written on My Heart, I Will Break. It was finally time, 9.30 p.m., 6.30 Pacific. Scott Rogowski was careful to hold his breath to ensure that he didn't miss a single word that Matt Richards said. What's up, H-Quizzers? I'm your host with the most, smoother than the butter that you spread on your toast, Matt Richards. Matt was funny on Twitter. I (laughs) wish I could be the butter for his toast, Scott thought to himself. (laughs) It had started so innocently, the spying that is. Scott had simply wanted to see how Matt was handling his mobile game show hosting duties. But quickly, Scott found himself enamored with how, how Matt, his co-host on the live mobile game show HQ, emceed the show the show with style, grace, and a tender sensuality that Scott had never noticed before that day. Now, a week later, for Scott, Matt led HQ with the expertise of a seasoned classical musical conductor. He was the artist of apps, the maestro of megabytes, the virtuoso of video-based quiz shows, the Mikhail Baryshnikov of click there and pay them off's. In other words, Scott was deeply and madly in love. I know that I was at this job before Matt and that I'm the main host of the show, Scott thought, but there's no way that a guy like me could even know, guy like him would even know I exist. I mean, just look at him. At that moment, Matt was gyrating with the band including the Savage Question Song. <laughs> Did
0: you,
1: with, you talk about the words to the Savage Question Song? I didn't. With Matt only a few yards from his hiding spot, Scott had found the central shimmy too erotically charged for him to handle. Scott's face felt like it was on fire. He couldn't stop trembling. He ran back to his dressing room, locked the door, sat down in front of the mirror, and started to write in his ornate, gold-gilded secret journal. Dear Diary, it's me, Scott. Another day in hell. Matt still hasn't noticed me. I'm starting to think he'll never notice me. He's so cool, smart, funny, and dare I say, beautiful. I don't know why he'd ever look at me. He'd ever look at a nobody like me. I don't know what I'll do if I can't make Matt love me. Diary, I'm starting to get afraid of what might happen if Matt won't accept my love. I might just burst. Or something worse. Much worse. With love, Scotty, Quiz Daddy, Ruggs. After his last thought was written, Scott looked up from his journal and caught eyes with his very own reflection. He saw a single, single tear roll down his cheek and onto the pages of the open journal, Smearing the wishes that he knew would never come true.
0: <laughs> oh, my
2: gosh.
1: See? Was that angsty enough?
2: That was perfect. That's really good, Jesse. You you nailed it. I think you absolutely nailed it. Yeah. I
0: think you definitely tapped into some emotions that you're not used to writing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not since I was a 14-year-old. Yeah.
0: <laughs> did you try to go back to that headspace, or did you just... Try to parody that headspace.
1: Uh, a little of both, yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then I figured like it was probably better to like sprinkle the references to the actual source material throughout, as opposed to being like real heavy with it. Because uh-huh. at first I thought like, oh, the way the show works is there's the MC introduces things, there's then they ask the questions and they give the answers, and I'm like, oh, what if I do it in the form of the quiz? So there's questions and answers, and then I felt a little too beholden to the the structure of it. So instead I wrote it and then sprinkled in the little references throughout.
0: That's pretty good. So you said before that you had not been able to find any HQ fanfiction when you went originally to look for it. Yeah.
1: Did you find some?
0: No. Are you going to post this?
1: Oh, I don't know. Are we all posting ours?
0: Oh, I don't think we've decided. I know we were talking about posting them on the blog. Yeah. But is that something you'd want to put on AO3 or do you want to tweak it first?
1: I don't see why not. I mean, it takes no effort to upload it like we've talked about before.
0: So I think what we'll do is if we're going to post what we've written, um, instead of posting under any uh, of our own individual identities, we'll make an author of the rights web.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. And then we can see whose people like (laughs) (laughs) more. Spoiler alert, if you
0: keep writing like that, it'll probably be yours. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because then I thought, like, how far do you take this angsty thing? Because I was clicking through AO3, and I noticed that, like, a lot of them are, like, just tag-wise, because I didn't click on them. So the tags were like self-mutilation. I'm like, everyone cuts themselves then probably, right?
0: Yeah. Or in some way, intentionally hurts themselves.
1: Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, that could just be the, be the ending. But then it just seemed too obvious. And that's such like a sensitive topic that it's hard to, to make fun of right, the right way. Not make fun of, but sorry. but fu- Obviously, I was trying to make it funnier than I was trying to make it a serious thing. And there is a way to write about that in a funny way, but I couldn't handle it. So I decided just not to handle it.
0: Yeah. No. And a lot of that stuff, both with like suicide and self mutilation and stuff that I just don't feel comfortable at all writing because it's.
1: And I would have felt comfortable writing a humorous piece that ended with a suicide, but not in a page and a half. Like that that payoff for that needs to take a little bit longer without it seeming like edgy you don't really work your way to it It it's not it's unearned if it happens in 400 words but it might be a little bit more earned as a kind of dark gallows humor thing in like 800 words
0: yeah does that make make sense i don't think i have the skill to write it in any way that would be meaningful but that doesn't mean that someone else does it
1: no yeah it wouldn't have been meaningful it would have just been silly but i don't want to be edgy you know that's that's the line you cross with that sort of thing so i just avoided it
0: So you said yours is about 400 words, a little bit more. Yeah. Did you find that that was enough to tell your story? Did you want more room? Did you?
1: I think I I originally wanted more, but then once I got to a place where I thought I was near the end, I went back through and started trimming. And there was a lot of things I could trim or combine. Mm -hmm. A lot of lines that essentially said the same thing. And especially when it's supposed to be a cartoon version of unrequited love, it's easy to hit the same beats over and over again. Right. And so most of it was just me condensing. So I think I think I went down a little bit. So I think it was a good size.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was, you, you really got in there and did the job and then got out.
1: Well, I don't know if, yeah, anything that would have been larger, I would have had to have introduced a new character with dialogue or introduced a new narrative device
0: mm-hmm. or
1: a second scene or a third scene, I guess. And that's just something that I didn't want to put the effort into.
0: Now, yours is probably the most complete piece of the three of us when it comes to, you know, idea an execution Uh jen you did more of a synopsis of what yours could have been had it been a larger thing so you were doing a crossover fiction with the chilling adventures of sabrina and sabrina the teenage witch so where did you start for those
2: well for me it was more like what uh my my challenge was figuring out why they would cross over into each other's world So then I was like, what is the I tried to identify the biggest difference between the two shows and use that the biggest difference. (laughs) What could possibly be the biggest difference other than the tone? The tone is the biggest difference. So my goal was to um, emulate that tone. But also, um, I think. Salem, in terms of characters, was the biggest change for me because he went from being like a funny, sarcastic cat to being like a brooding, scary demon. It was a lot of fun for me. So I used that as my baseline, Salem.
1: Oh, I see. So he's the same in both crossover, in both lines, or he's different? Oh, no,
2: he's not.
0: So walk us through. Obviously, you started from there. What was sort of your next step? Did you?
2: so i want the tone i want the tone to be the like primary tension so i brought sabrina spellman from the chilling adventures of sabrina the new the newest version i brought her into the 90s world because that mm. i think is more it's a little more interesting to imagine someone living like surrounded by satan and like demons and shit like going into like this weird 90s like dreamland having to deal with that whereas like bring sabrina spellman from the 90s tv series. Bring her into the latest series is kind of too dark for me and depressing to bring like this happy chipper girl into a world where like she has to like sign her blood over to satan. A little dark. <laughs> well,
1: and the, the and the latest season doesn't have a like as strict of a time period, it's obviously from like the new ones like it could take place in the 50s, but they also like have cell phones, so it could take place now. Like it's hard to tell, but the Joan Hart one is like just the 90s.
0: Yeah, it's it's
1: hard. Inexcusably, the '90s. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense that you would do that.
0: So you did more of a synopsis. What can you give us from this
2: synopsis? Um, why don't I just read the whole thing? Oh yeah, uh, I wasn't sure if you had bullet points or or no. It's or what. I, I have like ideas for what I would want to cover. She's got uh,
1: a TED talk.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a thirty-minute TED talk. So let me my whole synopsis. Yeah. All right. Also, I'll give you the title afterward. Yeah. <laughs> so, when a snarky black cat jumps out from a cursed mirror in the Academy of Unseen Arts, Sabrina Spellman is forced to embark on another chilling adventure. This time, t- to return a talking cat home. Sabrina quickly learns no simple magic can solve this, though, as the academy's new visitor reveals he is her very own familiar, Salem, from an alternate world. Ooh. When she realizes she must cross over into this world, she enlists her new bow and they jump through the mirror. There, they discover something much more terrifying than the horrors of their own universe. Sabrina is a wholesome '90s basic bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what'd you Love call it?
2: it? So, title is "Do You Think We'll Make It." That is oh. That's a lyric from the
1: "That's a like No Doubt No Doubt song, right?
2: song," which is the last song <laughs> played in the. Um, original tv series like they play that song as sabrina and harvey right out into the sunset on a motorcycle
1: that's a good that's a good uh reference good crossover reference
2: yeah pretty fucking proud okay (laughs) (laughs) that's good so if you were to
0: expand this what sort of things would you like to see happen in this crossover like what sort of hijinks would ensue
2: um my main goal was to make sure that um talking sarcastic Salem had as much screen time, or I guess page time, as possible. Because Uh fucking hilarious, and it's honestly the like the only like criticism I have of *Chilling Adventures of Sabrina*. There's not enough original sassy Salem. Like it would make the show so good.
1: Did you have any one-liners written?
2: No. Oh my god, I should have prepped those. I've been so good. But yeah, I really wanted it to be like she meets like the family. And she's really fucking jealous of the aunts because they're so fucking nice and her aunts are like fucking scary and mean.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Only Zelda. <laughs> you're right, you're right actually. <laughs> Zelda's terrifying. So I wanted the 90s Zelda to be like, our, she's like not sure she's real. I wanted there to be um, tension where Sabrina wasn't sure she could return home. I wanted oh, her yeah. to fucking hate the Harvey from the 90s. Cause to be honest, 90s Harvey like, big dumb jock and it makes no sense that he never like clued into things and it was i don't know just i want all that like all of basically her being like what is this and just being genuinely uncomfortable with the wholesomeness almost like it's like fabricated like there's some sort of magic holding Uh-oh. them to be too wholesome
1: yeah then now does in the 90s one does the 90s sabrina exist too is there two sabrinas in that situation or is there just the one
2: so both of them are there and she meet they meet each other and, like, have a weird interaction. And, yeah, it's that was the, the goal.
1: That would be fun because also, like, if they're, she does think there's some sort of magic making them act that way, it could also turn out that, like, they live in a TV show or something.
2: Oh, that would be funny. It just revealed that it's a fucking Truman show.
1: <laughs> yeah, and have, like, the laugh track. Somehow write the laugh track in. <laughs> she,
2: like, hears the laugh track. She's like, what the fuck is this? Uh-huh. No one talks like that
1: and have like a she can like kiss somebody and then could be like a woo and
0: mm-hmm. just to hit
1: all those sitcom beats
0: yeah the other thing that could work for you is in the um the sabrina the teenage witch show sabrina's mom is still alive
1: in the the the, the in the joan hart show oh
2: shit you know i didn't even think about that but that would be a big big thing for sabrina from Yeah, they John just Avengers. they're not
0: allowed to see each other except for in the uh made for TV movie in which they go to oh, Walt Disney
1: World. Uh, she day. goes to she goes to Disneyland, sorry.
0: She goes to Disney World. Disney World. Cuz it was when Animal Kingdom opened. Oh. So it was ABC's way of letting you tour around Animal Kingdom. She went to
1: Avatar Land.
0: No, no, Avatar Land not yet. Not that. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so so Sabrina's mom in the 90s show is actually still alive.
1: Yeah, that would've been a fun <laughs> thing for Some emotional beats for the chilling adventure of Sabrina character.
0: Or even just forcing the Melissa Joan Hart, as much as she's like always like, I never get to see my mom. I wish I could see my mom. You know, having little Sally Draper go, At least your mom is alive. That's what I was thinking we should
1: have had her do is do Chilling Adventures and Mad Men crossover.
0: You could write that one.
1: Just shipka on shipka sort of thing.
0: Yeah. That sounds like that could be your ship. Do you ship and shelter.
1: Yeah, little Sally Draper, she's 11 of the oldest and just cannot talk through her tongue.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, by the time if we were to like be true to the years, she'd be like very old right now if Sabrina went over.
1: Oh, yeah. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Sally Draper in Modern Chilling Adventure Time.
0: Yeah. That'd How is true. Sally Draper in in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina not Madam Satan?
1: Madam Satan's in Chilling Adventures.
0: I know, but like, how does Sally Draper not grow up to the character of Sally Draper not grow up to be Mad- Madam Satan?
1: Oh, I see. Sally Draper would be a good witch.
0: Can you be a good witch when both of your parents have emotionally scarred you to hell and back?
1: If we want to talk about Sally Draper's arc, that's a whole separate podcast. Because <laughs> the show's about Sally
0: and Joan
1: and Joan and Peggy and Peggy, yeah, and Roger. And done. And Roger's mustache. <laughs> he has a mustache in the last season, right? He's got like a weird, uh-huh. like, handle part of mustache.
0: And they think like, longing about that
1: mustache. Hey, remember that one shot in Mad Men where Roger puts a Hawaiian shirt on over his suit? <laughs> That's still the funniest thing in the world to me. The or funniest when he smokes thing smokes like cigarette. your
0: ultimate fashion goals.
1: Uh-huh. Or when he smokes that cigarette into his son's face <laughs> in
0: the office. <laughs> Yeah, just every time you think fondly on that stuff, remember when he did blackface at his. Oh
1: yeah, I hate that part. Whatever, we'll have to put the Rajcast cast on the shelf until we make terms with that. Come to terms with the blackface. Jen, how did you find putting that together? How how did you go to to it? Did you go to the the genre first or the subject matter first, or did you even think about either of them?
2: Well, you guys didn't really tell me what I had to do for you know content wise or anything. All I knew was I had to cross him over. So.
1: Is there not? Is there not tropes to crossovers?
2: There kind of are. The tropes to crossovers would
0: be kind of like hitting the one-liners from the shows, or you know, well, and it's a lot
2: of like referencing things from each show to be like, aha, see, I knew about both of these things. That's why I like deliberately made the title something like specific to the um, '90s series. You know, like I wanted you—you got to hit those iconic moments.
0: Yeah, crossover fic is really just a way of um, just flexing. Just straight flexing how much you know about both of these things. Yeah. There are one, you can find ones that they do that. You see, I've seen a, some magical girl ones where they cross over some of those teams. Well,
1: you remember in the 90s when they made that movie where the Jetsons went back in time to the Flintstones?
2: Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. So those are like playful. I think with mine, it was because it's the same show, but just a remake. It may, it's more like highlighting the differences between the two um, for like humor purposes. So I guess you could do the same with any crossover if they were tonally different or something like that. Yeah. The one that I, I think the one property that I see get crossed
0: over a lot is I think people like to cross over things with Firefly. Oh, I see that a lot.
1: Because the universe lends it to itself, or because Firefly has eleven episodes.
0: I think it's both. Yeah. I think that Firefly is a <laughs> plausible future for our world. I by the time we get to space travel and space pirates and the old West and whatnot. It won't be anything like Firefly, but I think it feels more plausible than a Star Trek does in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think that because it grounds itself in our current realism, it's easy to take something and put it into it like a doctor who, which or Torchwood, which is kind of what they get crossed over with quite a bit. Um, But yeah, also with 11 episodes and not a lot of people read the comics that continued them. There's, a lot of room to play with those characters still aren't fully developed in themselves so you can go wherever you want with them
1: zach efron shows up again
0: speaking of that has always been the crossover fic i wanted to write which is uh simon in med school but med school is uh, oh high
1: school med school <laughs> firefly musical
0: yeah that would be good <laughs> that's what i was gonna call it too. <laughs> everything is east high that would be fun. I high up in the sky. And you could have
1: like uh you could have all the other guys all the other people like be teachers. Uh huh. Like Nathan Fillion would be like the gym teacher and um other characters would play other people. I can't think of a second character on that show. Alan Tudyk could be
0: I figured Alan Tudyk would be their uh drama teacher.
1: That would be good. Be they don't the, really have a
0: science teacher, so he can't teach him about the dinosaurs.
1: He could be the religious studies teacher and just play the character he did on Arrested.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. No, that was a that was a crossover pick. I always wanted to. Do write. Do a
1: lot of fan fiction start off like this? So, Leah, what about yours? You had to do love Nikki, right? Yeah. in, so the,
0: in the the app challenge, I had to write a um, Pride and Prejudice style story using.
1: No wait, 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 wait! In the style of the regency hit novel pride and prejudice as jen described
0: it the style of the regency hit novel blockbuster
1: pride and prejudice
0: pride and prejudice i had to write a story of love nikki so what i looked at doing first and i wasted a lot of time on this is there is a free copy of pride and prejudice on project gutenberg Mm-hmm. And I was trying to look at what it would take to change all of the names and just have it be like a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies thing, but with Love Nikki. Yeah. Uh, does not lend- There's too many characters in Pride and Prejudice and not enough characters in Love Nikki to make that work. So I kind of decided to dial it back and be like, okay, what is the basis of Pride and Prejudice? It's Mr. Darcy first decides that he wants nothing to do with Elizabeth Bennet, then decides that all he wants is Elizabeth Bennet, and then in the end, they get together. That's making it the most, like, simple, basic. If I had to tell you one thing about it, that's all I'd tell you. Yeah, you
1: can get rid of, like, the family stuff, and it doesn't change those that, bones of that the story. Part.
0: Plus, let's be honest. What does everyone care about in Pride and Prejudice anyway? It's not her relationship with her dad. No one goes, oh, Mr. Bennett.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what a father figure he yeah. was. <laughs>
1: Unless it's yeah, an engaging person doing it.
0: Yeah. But it doesn't matter who they get to play it everyone's hot for Darcy. The next kind of problem is in Love, Nikki, there's no romance. There's no (laughs) fighting in Love, Nikki because they can't shed blood and there's no romance really except for with weird side characters and I don't care. So I'm like, okay, how can I take this? And so I'm like, well, what if we did it as a respect piece? So a character that has no respect for Nikki then becomes completely enamored with her sense of style. Um, Oh, I
2: think I know where this is going. Keep going.
0: Okay, so I'm going to read, there is no title for it, And I stopped right before the piece I wanted to really get to because describing what i wanted to describe is impossible so let me get up to it and then we can we can go from there the stage was set for the styling contest to begin each stylist was to be paired with another regardless of ability and the winner would progress up the bracket the runway was to be the dance floor each piece of clothing an important step this walk-off this test of fashion held the highest level of reverence bringing all social classes and skill levels together at one wooden plank bathed in spotlight Lunar, a proud and sensible stylist from Cloud City, gathered her composure and waited patiently for her turn. Based on the chatter from the dressing room, she felt her chances of winning were quite good. Although her most recent designs had been stolen and only recently returned to her, none were none here possessed her experience or her poise. Plus, the elegant and mature stylings of the dragon maiden were her specialty." The music swelled and Lunar stepped out onto the runway. Her flowing white gown with its lilac sash swayed to the rhythm as she glided, slowly letting her ivory wrap fall from her shoulders to reveal iridescent dragon scales stitched into her lilac bodice. To let her elegant, cool, cloud empire dress truly shine, Lunar had pulled her deep violet hair half back and secured it with a feathered bun clip. This competition was all hers, even without gloves on. Instead of returning to the dressing room, Lunar hung back to watch her competition. Lunar flashed back to her first encounter with Nikki, the strange girl who would be her competition today. While the pink haired girl had been most helpful in recovering Lunar's stolen designs, there was something off about Nikki's uh, presence in Mirrorland. The girl was painfully ignorant about the seven nations and preferred to converse with a sassy cat instead of any human around. Lunar truthfully could not stand Nikki, detesting the naive and simple style she cobbled together. However, this runway presentation from Nikki changed everything. What emerged from backstage defied all sense of style in a way that evokes the true beauty of fashion in its purest form. So from there, I've been trying to actually like, physically describe what it is that I I submit for my winning styles on Love, Nikki, Yeah, um, which Jen can vouch, do not look anything like fashion. You wear a red cape with a sun bonnet over your legs, which don't match your body.
2: Oh, it's bad.
1: Isn't it's, sometimes do the art weird and you'll have multiple limbs. And yep.
2: Oh, that happens all the time. All the time.
1: I like that though. Cause I think unlike the HQ thing where it's like the concept of that source is just, they do the one thing. The concept of your source is the, the fashion. Yeah. So you kind of have to hit that.
0: Or the lack of fashion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or just the absurd it gets and builds on itself.
0: Yeah. So trying to describe a giant uh, clothing monster is really difficult. So that's kind of where I stopped because that's, what i got to
1: i like i understood what you were saying and i don't know that source material pretty much at all but i still liked it
0: yeah and i tried to work in some of the words that they use to actually like qualify your style so they have like elegant mature simple oh. cool warm yeah. like there's specific those kind of things
2: specific terms for like types of clothing which is why you to right the clothing monster because you have to pair things that are all cute even if they don't match they're called cute so they go together it's horrible
1: oh yeah
0: yeah so that's that's kind of where i i left with that
1: so what's the pride and prejudice angle in it
0: the pride and prejudice angle is that when they first meet nikki is so simple and oh. so inexperienced with styling that lunar just kind of writes her off but then as she you know they she kind of progresses she gets more clothes and learns to just pile all her clothes on herself and lunar just cannot get enough of her styling and is constantly trying to challenge her uh you know bringing her very like put together outfits to battle the clothing monster and the clothing monster always wins until finally <laughs> they decide to adventure together through mirrorland that's fun i like that i like that, a lot. that
1: almost lends itself better to like we should have made you do jane eyre or something so then you could have had ghosts and done nearly the same thing
0: Nah, I like, <laughs> I like Pride and Prejudice. I thought that was a good one.
1: That was good.
0: <laughs> but it's such a ridiculous, it's a really ridiculous premise to be like, no, you got to apply this thing to this other thing. And you realize that there are a lot of constraints to that. Yeah. Like, I really wanted to make it like cut and dry romance. But there really aren't the kind of characters in Love, Nikki that lend itself to romance.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of ways. If you're doing like a straight like write this in the style of this, it seems like there's a lot of ways to plug those in. And sometimes if you're struggling to plug it in one way, you just kind of got to turn it over and try a different receptacle.
0: Right. Well, and the other thing is, is I didn't want to create a romance because I think that, well, first of all, all of the characters in this thing are nuts. They're it's really hard. I had to actually like go look at, even though I play the game, I had to go look at the wiki for what all the characters were like, because the translation of the game that we get is incredibly off. So the the English is broken in the, in the English app terribly. (laughs) So it's kind of a very comical
2: way to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I thought about trying to write that into it, but I, when I tried to, it sounded really racist and I just, I'm like, Nope. Just, yeah. Yeah. No, because it's not English. It's just like wrong parts of speech a lot of the time. Oh, like
1: it automatically translated and it didn't quite get the... Yeah, Yeah. it it could be
2: like that exactly. Like they ran it through a translation algorithm and it just like popped out some stuff that was a bit broken.
1: Yeah, things tend to be spelled correctly. They're just... You know what they're saying.
0: Yeah, it's just it's in the wrong order or the wrong part of speech.
1: Yeah.
0: It's that kind of thing. And I couldn't do it in a way that didn't sound like I was... saying like haha look at these dum-dums yeah because that's not what happened yeah (laughs) it's not what's happening and then the other thing is um let's be honest i don't necessarily play mobile games for the story i play mobile games because it's a thing to do before i go to bed at night (laughs) so i skip a lot of the dialogue
2: yeah honestly i skip most of the dialogue i the only like element of the rpg like the the story anyway of this game that I like pay attention to is what like other people tell me on like Reddit. I've never like read it myself. <laughs> yeah.
0: Attention. When there, there's a big plot point that happened a few months back and I, you know that it happens. Like you can't skip it. Cause there's a, right. there's a cut scene in the mobile game, but like at the same time, I'm like, Oh wait, why was I supposed to care about this? <laughs> wait, what you led this. this to happen anyway? You
1: skip too And much that's of where I realized
0: that all along, My styling battles had been
2: any substitution for physical violence.
0: Oh. There is
2: no... Oh, you didn't know that part? Because I knew that part. That in the game, the premise is you have to do style battles because you can't do physical battles. It's, like, not possible in their land. Right.
1: Oh, like, it's against the law? Like, further than that.
2: It's magically impossible.
1: Oh, just the concept doesn't exist?
0: Yeah, well, it exists, but everyone knows that you can't do it. Because they're oh, like okay. bound
2: they're bound by magic not to be able to. Or so you think. So you twist. think.
0: Whoa.
1: So, so then you fight later or it doesn't really change anything?
0: It changes for one guy.
1: Oh, so it's like when you could do magic in Once Upon a Time for that one season and then you couldn't again. And it yeah. didn't matter. But
0: everyone remembers when you could do magic.
1: But then they don't remember later. And that's, that's a stupid
0: time. show. I yeah. love that show. <laughs> that's a stupid show.
1: It resets every season.
0: God. But yeah, no, so it, it changed my perspective on the game when I realized that, like, Nikki would be straight up just picking brawls with people if it weren't for these styling
1: contests. Oh, yeah. That's weird.
0: And just a lot of, like, small children just walking up to her going, like, I'm gonna fight you!
1: <laughs> I mean, that's Change like... Change clothes. Pokemon, yeah.
0: yeah. But that's a little different. Yeah. I think. I thought that
1: was good, yeah. And I think the obvious way to go is to go Mr. Darcy, and you didn't do that, and it's still stuck together.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, the thing that is not endure, sorry, the thing that is enduring about Pride and Prejudice is that at its core, it's such a simple story that you can really pull it apart to get whatever you need out of it.
1: Well, hell, you could cut out Darcy because it seems to be so internally inside of elizabeth's head the most of the the bulk of the the narrative momentum that you could even pull him out and you'd have to do some work some other way but it all seems like almost an inner meditation in a lot of ways right where you don't even need him even if you really had to
0: right you could pull this this piece of uh, literature apart and take whatever you need out of it you don't need everything you can have everything you can lose everything and you can still get those beats that are uniquely Jane Austen. Well,
1: that's why it doesn't disappear through generations. You know, right. Romeo and Juliet still exists.
0: Right. Romeo plus Juliet still exists. Mm-hmm.
1: Ideally. West Side plus Story.
0: <laughs> West Side. Oh.
1: West Side plus Story. That'd be so good. What did we all learn then about writing our own fan fiction? Jen, is it something you're going to start doing again? Did we reignite the beast?
2: I mean, I really enjoyed writing the synopsis, but I don't know if I have the energy to write this, this story itself, but it does make me want to write more in general because I got... That's
1: what I was thinking. Yeah, I don't want to write fan fiction, but it did certainly feel like it knocked some of the cobwebs out that I've sort of, you know, stopped writing as much as before and settled into that. And it was just a fun little like bullshit assignment to get those gears working again a little bit.
0: And to be honest, we all we didn't make... We didn't win Nano this year. We made ourselves a goal to write a Christmas story and we didn't do that. So it just felt so long like we've been setting these goals and just falling flat on our faces. So we set a goal to not have a goal just to get something out. We did that. So mm-hmm. now we can do, you know, now we're starting to get those muscles worked out again.
1: Yeah, just the manageable goals, you know, and I think when you're writing those are always all you can really deal with.
2: It does help to have no pressure for me, like the expectations sometimes kind of like make it feel less. I don't know if fun is the right word because it is work to write, but I want to feel like I'm enjoying it. Like at the end, like I want to feel proud of what I created. And that's like, I can't feel that if I feel pressured, I guess that's just for me.
0: There was a certain amount too. Like we sat in bed, just kind of jotting down ideas last night that, you know, Jesse would be giggling at his laptop and I'd be reading the things that I wrote, just kind of chuckling in my head. And, yeah, these were meant to be kind of more funny and off the cuff, but there really was a sense of enjoyment in what we were doing that I don't think was there when we were working on NaNo.
1: No. And it's, it's fun to be you know part of a group and to also know that I was reading something, writing something that I was going to read later. So having an idea of an audience, even if it's just the two of us, not the two of us, but the three of us, sorry, plus whoever listens to this, also makes me enjoy it a little bit more. I think Nano also you don't have to share with anyone if you don't want to. And for me, writing for an audience or writing for something I know I'm going to read for an audience is always a little bit of fun. It's always it's nothing I can take seriously, and so it, it's just kind of a nice little, nice little experiment, you know.
0: So what can we do to translate this momentum into? success writing something we really want to write, not something we've challenged ourselves to write.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's maybe just trying to make those little small achievable goals for your future writing. You know, I wrote 400 words and probably, let's say, like an hour for this. What if I write 500 words in two hours about something I care about? Then what if I make it 800 words a day You know, like, slowly working up to things, just taking it one step at a time, uh, so to speak.
2: That's really good. I like that a lot. And for me, it's also just reminding myself, this is what is supposed to teach you, but it's, it's still hard for me to, like, actually learn it, which is that I don't need to expect perfection, and it's okay if I just write whatever I feel like. And if it's great, it's great. If it's bad, it's bad. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, if I just let myself feel that because that's something about fan fiction for me that's always been really easy is like I don't really care if it's the fucking next American novel like I don't care like don't care
0: so you're never writing it for anybody that's not already uh, accepting of your source material
2: right and so that amount of just like kind of like it takes the like pressure off again which is a big thing for me so I think for me to like carry this momentum forward is just to kind of like bask in that feeling of like it's all good just do it like whatever you want doesn't matter like just that it doesn't matter feeling is really important for me <laughs> yeah
0: you just did it you fucking did it so <laughs> you know on a more technical question you know yes we're months and months away from NaNoWriMo 2019 how much prep work is acceptable before you actually get to NaNo are these little exercises something that we can start incorporating oh, into yeah. our prep for nano 2019
1: i think that's a good point i didn't even think about using it like that because last year when we decided to do a nano it was last minute for me and it was even more last minute for you and it's sort of like going like i'm going to become a pilot and then your first project is the first way you become a pilot is you're like you fly a spaceship to the moon like it's something that (laughs) that, that,
0: yeah that takes so much training
1: and 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 then there's an infrastructure in there for you to like. If you want to be a pilot, you know, you gotta go to the school, and then you gotta get your whatever hours behind the thing, and then your test, then you work your way up to these things. But we didn't really do that, and it was hard, and we did okay for that. So yeah, I, I, using these sort of even if we just did, even if I just wrote something this short once a month, I would be more prepared for Nano than I yeah. what was than I was last year.
2: That's a very good point, and I even though I anticipate NaNoWriMo every single year. Uh, I still don't really prep as much as I used to when I was younger because I am I always feel very burnt out post NaNoWriMo, but we did a really good job this year of not, uh, not burning ourselves out. And so <laughs> I feel like much more mentally capable of prepping and honestly I just like keeping like a notebook and having fun that way.
0: So I think what I want to do going forward is... You know, as we make ourselves more of these writing challenges and do little things throughout the year to prep for NaNoWriMo, or even just to to practice writing in general, um, I think we're really gonna. I want to use the last episode of our month just to check in with like, what are you thinking about for November? Do you have an idea that's sticking in your head? Is there a scene you want to make sure you incorporate? Is there a character you want to make sure you incorporate? Or have you thought of nothing? Yeah. Has nothing really stuck with you in that way? And I don't think I'm going to make any, I, I don't think it's a good idea to put anyone on the spot right now. Cause I also just said that. Yeah, But you know, look for us next month to have maybe a couple kernels of an idea. nothing, complete or serious or fleshed out, but just something that says this might work for November.
1: Yeah. about it. You can always have too many ideas, but you never helps you to have no ideas. Right. So even just that little bit, that bit would be helpful. Even if it's just not something tangible, but just like, Oh, we, we vaguely thought about it two hours before we recorded. Even that's better than nothing.
0: Yeah. Having some sort of a plan.
1: And it's all a part of the same process. Yeah. Either we do it now would it sort of spread out or we do it all October 31st? Oof. Oof. And that's too spooky to pay attention. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So before we get into what's making us sweat, Jesse, what have you learned about fan fiction that you didn't know before we started Fan Fiction February?
1: Well, with fan fiction, it's all about family. Um, it's really the olive garden of writing. <laughs> <laughs> when you're there, you're family.
2: Weirdly true.
1: What, Jen?
0: She said, "Weirdly true."
1: Yes. Well, I guess I always understood that, but no, I guess what I what I learned about it is more of it's not all bad. To me, I still don't care about it. You guys have not convinced me to read it past this month.
0: <laughs> That's fine.
1: Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, it's not for me, and I I know that. And now I've explored it enough to say it's not for me. Um, and I think there is a place for it to just be. Not everyone is a writer, and not everyone wants to be a writer. Some people, what they want to do is poorly write some adventure of, you know, Black Widow and uh, Big Bird. And that's all they want to do. And that's fine. And they're done with and they feel better later. And so I think it's a very democratic way to to handle this stuff. And I think it, it breaks through a lot of gatekeeping. And I think at, at worst, it's it's a fulfilling thing one person does for themselves. At the best, it's a good way to build community or a good way for a writer who does want to do more to just practice. You know, like we were talking about now, just writing this has gotten us ready for Nano already. Um and so that's that's good I think I think that's valuable in a way.
2: So yeah, Jen what did you, you to discover
0: about fan fiction?
2: I mean I discovered that um how how helpful it is for me actually and I never really thought about that. Um but just being able to write easily is actually extremely helpful not because what I create is like some grand amazing work that I'm super proud of necessarily but because it kind of like gets me excited and makes me start thinking about ideas for my original characters, too, and my original stories, it just makes me feel motivated and engaged and just having fun. And that's a really good headspace to be in for creativity in general. Um, so it puts me in the right right mood.
1: Oh, and past three nerds writing it for a podcast, there's no pressure, right?
2: No. Yeah. No yeah. yeah.
1: This is the most pressured situation anyone would have to write fan fiction in, it and it was not pressured at all. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so that's really
0: helpful. I think for me, I kind of just remembered that. So just in my own writing, I like creating rules for myself, be it the witch thing that I thought about for Nana or the house thing that I thought about for Nana. Rules are fun. I really enjoy having like a strict set of rules to work within. And I kind of always rule out fan fiction. But fan fiction, if you let that happen, fan fiction has all of those rules already there. The characters are established. The world is established you know, and you could write, we didn't go into a lot of it, you could write a whole fan fiction just using the world of Harry Potter and not have any characters from the books. You could have only original characters. But those rules can be there and be as restrictive or as lax as you want them to be. Mm -hmm. So I think I might go back to writing a little more in fan fiction. I think I might um, kind of play in that space more than I've let myself. I think I, like Jesse, sort of let that social construct of like, oh, fan fiction take over, even though it was something that I grew up loving and I really liked writing at one point and I loved reading for a long time. Um, I think I'm going to let myself go back into that space that's, and really live in
1: it. For Love Nikki or something
2: else? Oh, probably not for Love Nikki. <laughs> Love Nikki, is, that's a tough one, man. I can't believe you.
1: <laughs> Why didn't we have you do Love Nikki meets Little Nikki? <laughs> <laughs> We could have all done crossovers.
2: Jesse likes crossovers, apparently. Next year.
1: You'd have to learn how to say Popeyes is the shiznit in Japanese, though. Jen, how do you say that? Do you have any idea?
2: Um, we're not going there.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I actually like what you said, Leah, about rules being helpful, because it's actually something else I noticed. Didn't really know how to put words to it. But I also enjoy having even just the established tropes that we were assigned. Stuff like that was like it kind of gave me like a path to follow. And even if I deviated from the path, at least it started me like down that road somewhere, heading somewhere. Like, so I kind of think that even though I used to kind of think tropes were like, have a sort of negative connotation, maybe it's actually okay. Even just for like original fiction to maybe embrace some tropes and use them and grow them and just like, not fear them so much
1: <laughs> that's a good point because that made me think too how unavoidable those things are because for nano i was trying to write hardboiled detective fiction and i was so afraid of it sounding like everything else i'd ever read in that genre but of at course it's going to sound like that
0: yeah and at the same time you wanted it to sound like those things or else you would have thought it was bad
1: and i think that was a little bit of how i kept losing momentum was i was like oh i want to invert these tropes or not do normal things but then it just lost momentum because that was the foundation it was built on and not to say that, yeah, tropes are tropes are tropes for a reason, but there's also, they're also helpful. They are helpful for, for just moving forward. And
2: I put a lot of pressure on myself to always do that kind of like, you know, unpacking the trope and like reversing it and, you know, inverting it yeah. and making you like think critically about it. I'm like, Holy shit, Jen, calm down. We don't need to be so deep every fucking minute. Like it's okay. Yeah. If we just have a fucking cliche, fucking love triangle, like who gives a shit, it's fine.
0: <laughs> but also for, Nano. You know, I guess when you think about it, maybe the point of Nano is to lean into those tropes, to, to lean on every crutch you have to get through the word count. And then you can go back when you're editing it and say, OK, maybe I don't want this to be the classic love triangle. Yeah. How do I then go take this love triangle that I wrote and bend it away from the trope? Yeah. instead of mm-hmm. starting away from the trope and making sure you stay as far away from the trope as possible. yeah, yeah. Lean into it for that first draft and then really peel it away as you go into edit it. Yeah, and yeah. I
2: liked thinking of it as like building upon the tropes that I was assigned for my fan fiction, like building on it rather than trying to avoid it. So that's something I'll try to work with in the future is just like using, like, let's say the love triangle trope, like building on that rather than being like, you know, desperate to avoid any like, Re- resemblance to like existing tropes and stuff so well yeah. and at least with
0: uh the chilling adventures of Sabrina you can work not necessarily within that classic love triangle but that classic upside down love pentagram
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god <laughs> hey they have a coming love pentagram of Sabrina that's really good we should uh we should make an article about that and get things <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so
0: then with that what's making you sweat this week
1: let's we'll start with you Leah
0: oh i thought i would get out of it <laughs> it's not at all related to writing but i am sweating because i found out that i have to uh, replace my trusty sewing machine that i've had for a long time and even though at the moment it can still sew straight seams the entire like electronic computer component of it isn't working anymore and really needs to be replaced. And it's been really emotional to go through losing my, my tool of creativity. Like, yes, I will still have all of those skills and all of that knowledge with the next machine I get. But I've had two identical sewing machines for the last 20, not 20, the last 10 years. Mm. And the machines are even older than that. They're both Husqvarna Viking Frisias 415. Um, They were both gifted to me. So they had sentimental meaning on top of that. And it's really, it's been the machine that I've made everything on. All of the things that I've been proud of, everything I've accomplished has come from these two things. So it's really been hard for me to start to separate what has been me as a person what than what has been the machine. Because before in my mind, they were really interchangeable. And now I have to come to grips with, with the fact that that's not the case and that I'm going to have a nice, long, happy life with my next sewing machine. But it's time for for this one to to move on.
2: Very emotional for a sewing machine. <laughs> Jesus. It, it No,
0: it really is. And it sounds silly, but like it is something that like, it really hits home for me. I texted one of my friends when I found out and um, she's like, yeah, but a, a new one is exciting and, and I haven't gotten to the point yet where it's exciting for me because yeah. it's still me having to part with what really feels like my machine.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think I've recovered writing-wise since I got a new laptop. I still haven't kind of settled into how it works for what I needed to do compared to my last laptop. So I understand how yeah. that
2: I, I think know. a lot of people go through that with just whatever device they get kind of comfortable with. It just, yeah. Change is hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Change
2: is really
0: hard. And it is, you know, especially with, with something that you create through, you know, it feels like an extension of you at yeah. a certain point. You spend enough time working with it, working over it. It's hard not to feel like you've imparted some of yourself into this inanimate object.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Um, So what's making me sweat this week? I tried to be really like cerebral like I was last week, uh, but I haven't really done much. So um, I've been playing the Spider-Man game for PS4, the newer one, and it's fun and it's good. Um, I think for a long time, people have said like, oh, video games are another way to forward narratives. It's another way to tell a story. And I've never quite jumped onto that bandwagon. I think, yeah, but I've never seen an example of it done well. I don't think the Spider-Man game is an example of it done well either, <laughs> but I think we are getting closer to that. I think a, a video game is a way to tell a story if, if what you want the story to be is just action moving forward and here's an action sequence that moves the yeah. plot forward, here's an action sequence that moves the plot forward. And that's fine and I think this, this game does it really well and I think actually the voice acting is pretty compelling and the, the mocap isn't so weird that you feel like you're watching a cartoon wearing a human flesh suit. So I think that's another step in the right direction. And I think maybe I'm coming around to it a little bit too, where I'm sort of softening up where I go, no, a, a video game cannot be a narrative. And now I'm like, it can be for what it's for. I haven't seen anything. I haven't played a lot and I have not played anything that's been so emotionally like resonant, but I think it, it does fine.
2: I, I would say a really good example of a narrative told through a video game would be The Last of Us. or um, that's, I've Adventure. heard that. Yeah. yeah, both of those are, they have really good solid stories. The Last of Us for me, I never even played. I just watched someone play through the entire game because the story was so compelling. Yeah. Well, I
0: even think for myself, just as someone that's had a hard time, quote unquote, finding the time to read. Although if I have time to play a video game, I definitely have time to read. There's something that keeps me engaged, like still playing through Kingdom Hearts, because yes, I am slow with these things. That, you know, once it gets to the point that the story is starting to, you know, making me want to quote unquote, put it down, There's something to really break that up in the action to kind of keep me engaged in it. And with a lot of the stuff that I like in JRPGs, you kind of start to get into this like cerebral, dreamy place. What are there's a lot of talk about like what is reality in different games and perception. And I think that if it weren't in a video game, the way to physic the way to, to textually talk about it. Starts to feel way over a lot of people's heads and feels like it's being gatekept by people who are just talking about like brain science and neurons and yeah. stuff like that. But when you look at Kingdom Hearts, which is kind of dealing with time travel and kind of dealing with your conscious and like where does your self come from and where does your self live and is it your body or is it your heart or is it your soul or or what is it? If you were to try to write that kind of story it gets so convoluted so fast. And I think there's a way to talk about it with anime characters and Disney characters with a shorthand, like the heart and friendship that lets you tell that story in a way that is accessible.
1: Imagine a book was written like Kingdom Hearts. So there was all of the storyline of what you're talking about. And then there was sixty pages where they go, and then Sora had pressed X fifteen times, and then because <laughs> so th- there's that's the thing that that always catches me off guard is that the rupture between those two things of the storyline and the cutscenes and the acting and all that is very different, no matter how you do it, than the actual playable action because you can't play a conversation like that. I know right. game, there are <laughs> games that do, especially JRPGs, and I get you can mix these forms, but I think sometimes that rupture is so big it never quite comes together where I want one or the other. But I think especially with like a superhero thing for me, cause I'm not, I don't, I don't have the language of the JRPG down yet. Right. The the superhero thing. It's like, it makes a bit more sense content wise, form wise.
2: And there's a, you know, there's like indie games and things like that, that, um, that get real hardcore about like narrative and things. I just think they're less popular because I mean, what people draws people to games versus books is obviously the, the interaction and the, pressing
1: x yeah
0: yeah and we can talk for a long time about the whole idea of dating sims no i know there's
1: stuff too and i just haven't played it you know i know there's always there's a million examples as to why i'm wrong i just haven't dealt dealt with it
0: shout out to black mirror for basically making the entire world obsessed with a dating sim
1: yeah with a with a structure with a gimmick that's existed in paperback books for a hundred years yeah which R.L. Stein wrote a whole series of.
0: Yeah, the only Goosebumps book I ever read was. <laughs> I only it.
1: read those ones too, yeah.
0: Oh, I only read one, and oh. I thought they were too weird and gross, and I didn't want to read it. So then I read 101 Dalmatians.
1: <laughs> like Choose Your Own Adventure? No. Oh, oh.
0: The actual book. Oh. And Benicula.
1: I like Benicula.
0: One of my favorite vampire stories. I like
1: that one a lot.
2: So, Jen, what's making you sweat?
1: Cat Kong? Jesse,
2: calm down. <laughs> uh so this week uh what's making me sweat honestly this week has been really chill for me so it's nothing new or exciting i'm still reading that series that i mentioned last week it's uh cha- it's it's gone somewhere different than i anticipated i still enjoy it a lot remind us
1: of what that was called
2: so that was a court of thorns and roses and it's a series um it's gonna be four books three are out right now and um i'm on the third book um it's gone a lot of like fun places and i'm really enjoying it um, but what I didn't expect was that I'm really enjoying using Goodreads to write reviews and read oh. reviews and find out what my next book should be because it gives you recommended kind of like Netflix does like oh if you liked this other like people like this one so I'm like thank god you told me what to read next because there are too many books out there y'all
1: can't
2: <laughs> figure it out so that's really helpful so I'm enjoying using Goodreads and being like really active on there and posting where I'm like at in my book I'm like oh page you know, 270. Yeah, do you log
1: your, your page counts? every? Yeah, I'm
2: logging my page counts and shit. Like, I'm getting into it, so.
1: I mean, it's it's a great tool for keeping you uh, keeping you on track.
2: Oh, yeah, and I have some friends who use it really actively, and they're, like, liking my statuses and stuff. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. this actually makes me, like, feel motivated to read still. So Goodreads is a very good social media platform for that.
1: I do that with Letterboxd, too. It's the same, but with movies and all.
0: I have one that's for anime. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and whatever keeps you going.
0: Since it is a social media... We- Since it is a social media, do you find that you're connecting with people you don't know through it? Or are you just using it to connect with your friends?
2: I'm only connected to my friends through it. I joined a group for LGBT romance books, um, but I haven't paid attention to it much. But it's there if I want to go see what other people are talking about, thinking about.
0: All right. So with that, I think that wraps it up, not just for this episode of of The Right Sweats, but also for Fan Fiction February. We made it. We definitely made it. (laughs) Uh, make sure you check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Do you guys have anything you want to plug before we leave?
1: I will upload our our uh, fan fictions to the internet, to our blog, so check that out. Other than that, just, yeah, check out the, the Facebook and the, the Instagram. Leah was posting pictures of her bookstore she discovered, and I'm sure we'll all start doing a little bit more of that when it warms up a little and we can explore a little more.
0: And while there is no theme for March, we will be back with our regular shenanigans next week. (laughs) Scratch that. We're actually not going to do a normal March. We've decided to give Jesse everything he's always wanted in his life. And we're going to spend all of March doing some March madness. We're going to be posting a bracket of 32 movie adaptations of books. And each week, we are going to eliminate half of those movies in order to uh, come down to our favorite. Now, we'll be releasing the bracket on our Instagram and on Facebook, so make sure you follow us there. We know that there are a lot of things that have been adapted from books, and we can't get to all of them. We can only get to one adaptation of some of these things. But these are some of our personal favorites, things that we've actually uh, we've got words to fight about. And I think it's going to be exciting. Jesse, you ready for this? I'm ready. Jen, you ready for this?
2: I'm definitely ready Ready to argue and fight.
0: <laughs> so March is all going to be about us um, basically yelling at each other and testing our friendships. So stay tuned for that. Now back to your regularly scheduled sweat. So with yeah. that, we'll catch it all on the flippy floppy.
1: Yeah.